Hey, it's Lauren. Thank you so much for listening to The Afterlight. Enjoy the episode. So just a heads up that this interview was recorded over Zoom. In the middle of the episode, there was about two minutes where the audio quality changes slightly. Don't worry, it does correct. You can still hear the amazing stuff that Michael is saying. Just wanted to give you a little bit of a heads up. Also, there is a small language warning for this episode. This episode has been brought to you by the Afterlight Institute. Ignite the light, magic, and miracles within. If you're a spiritual professional and have been building your skills and knowledge for years and feel ready to share this wisdom with the world, then the Afterlight Institute wants to work with you. If you want to create your very own online course without having to worry and stress about the technology and the marketing, then you are strongly urged to apply. All the details can be found at theafterlightinstitute.com. Lauren Grace here and welcome to the Afterlight podcast. I'm joined today by Michael Herkus from Chicago, Illinois. He is also known as the Glam Witch. He's been practicing modern witch for over 20 years. He's a devotee to the goddess Lilith and focuses his practice on crystals, glamour, love, moon, and sex magic. Michael is the author of The Glam Witch, the complete book of moon spells, witchcraft for daily self-care, and most recently, love spells for the modern rich. Additionally, Michael hosts Glam Fridays on the Witch With Me IGTV channel, giving tips and tricks for magical makeovers. He's a professional tarot reader and nationwide speaker, having presented at festivals such as Gather the Witches, Hexfest, and WitchCon. In addition to being featured in an exhibit on display at the Buckland Museum of Witchcraft in Cleveland, Ohio. For more information and to follow Michael online, just visit theglamwitch.com. And Michael is joining me today to talk about magic, essential items every witch should have, tips on casting spells, and what's love got to do with it. Michael, thank you so much for being here on the show. Woo! I'm really looking forward thank to Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. I'm so excited to be here and, and be... Um, talking to you in the future uh all the way over in Australia so it's fun we're doing some magical astral projection here we are we are it's perfectly on brand so listen Michael I like to start every conversation asking people how their spiritual journey began but for you I'm going to change things up a little bit so I am interested in finding out when you first came out of the broom closet because I read that that's that's how you say it (laughs) you tell me about that absolutely yeah, so, um, well, I actually really got drawn into modern witchcraft just from the glamorization of witches in Hollywood during the 90s. And then, of course, around uh, 1999, 2000, um, I was entering my preteen years, um, heard a lot of terms like witch, Wicca and witchcraft being used synonymously on shows like Buffy and Charmed. Of course, I was, you know, in puberty and going through the hell and torment and torture of, you know, all of that. Um, And I just was looking for something to help me feel like I was special and that I fit in. Um, And witchcraft just seemed to be the the thing that really was drawn, that I was drawn to. So I picked up a book on teen witchcraft and I started reading um, and I really loved um, its 
embrace of femininity. I loved its embrace and that all acts of love and pleasure are rituals of the goddess. And so I quickly came out as a witch. I did a self-dedication and dedicated myself to witchcraft. And it was from coming out of the broom closet that I also came out of the rainbow closet because I felt empowered um, in being a queer individual at the time um, from witchcraft, uh, which was really, really great. So I got to come out of two closets at once, kind of. I love that. You know, when I was reading your book, by the way, I have to tell you that I made an assumption about your book when I first read the title. I thought it was just going to be a <laughs> book of just love spells. And I was expecting to kind of go through and see spell. And it was just jam packed with so much information. As I was going through it, I was like, go. Oh, yes. Oh, my. It was just so wonderful. So congratulations on producing oh, thank you. a wonderful piece of art and uh, lots of wisdom and knowledge in there. One of the things that I learned when I was reading your book was that there's a lot of inclusivity, kind of like you were talking about a lot of acceptance and a lot of love within the, um, you know, maybe the witchcraft that you practice within the witch community. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? A lot of times, uh, at least when I was coming out, there was a, a lot of talk of especially witchcraft being related to goddess worship and honoring nature and um, all of that. And, and a part of that is honoring love because it's an emotion that we have that mm -hmm. that is a part of our natural biology. Um, and then also seeing that all acts of love and pleasure are rituals of the goddess. So um, in terms of witchcraft, it's I mean, some people might think that it kind of has this more hedonistic lifestyle of, of doing something that makes you feel good and feel empowered. I would say that the majority of people that practice any kind of magical tr tradition these days, whether they're a modern witch, a, a druid, a shaman, um, any of these types of titles, I think we all kind of universally are looking for um, self-empowerment. And part of that is uh, discovering your own identities as an individual and what makes you uniquely you. Um, and so witchcraft is a really good tool uh, in order to do that. And um, again, too, touching base on just kind of sexuality, um, again, going back to nature, uh, we'll hear lots of conversations being said that, you know, like the, that nature is the witch's Bible. And it's not just necessarily like the elements. I know a lot of people are concerned on just like nature being earth, air, fire, water, being out in the forest or any of that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But I look at it more as understanding nature on a, a couple of different levels, whether that's our emotional levels, our impulses, our urges, our fears, parts of our shadow self that we don't like that we need to kind of work through. And then sexuality as well, because it's tied to the fertility of the land. A lot of witchcraft is essentially extends from ancient fertility cults that saw the, I guess, correlation between the fertility of the land and the human bodies. So that's why sexuality is really tied into witchcraft as a whole. Beautiful. And I know you do explore that quite a bit in your book as well. So people yeah. are wanting to find out a little bit more about that. So in our conversation today, we are going to talk about essential items for the modern witch. We're going to be talking about spell casting, whether or not you can create your own spells. I guess before we kind of get into all of that, I'm really interested in finding out whether or not there are different types of magic. Oh, of course there are. Essentially magic, the way I look at it is, so a spell, I would say that a spell is essentially a witch's version of a prayer. It's basically using your intention, putting it out in the universe, but you're also using it with different energy sources. And in doing so, you're creating magic. So that would be, for example, like different herbs, crystals, phases of the moon, color. Everything gives off a certain energy type 
And witches not only kind of manipulate that, but they can absorb it, reflect it, deflect it for their will, depending on what it is that they're wanting to do. And kind of depending on which area, like what your spells or rituals are mostly um, focused on, that can kind of put you in another niche. And there's so many different niches out there. We hear a lot of terms such as like the green witch and green witchery would be anyone that's really connected to nature and works with a lot of plants and herbs and maybe crystals and things like that. And then we have like psychic witches who are really deeply connected to such like tarot and um, any form of intuitive magics. Love witches who cast all of these love spells or me, I call myself a glam witch, a glamour witch who would be someone who really uses their visual aesthetic to um, fuel their magic as well as help inspire others within the magical community. So it really is up to the individual. There's there's cooking magic where you're, you're using your um, intention while you're cooking food and kind of offering that to different people. Uh, essentially, witches are of service to the community. So usually on magic bases, they work best when they're not necessarily 100% for personal gain. I hate using that term because it's been drilled into us from TV shows. Mm -hmm. But um, when we can anchor our spells in something that also benefits others in the community, we have a really better chance at having them succeeding. So that's a nice kind of spin to always put on magic. Yeah, I think that's so beautiful. I guess when I was listening to you speak, I was just thinking about how a lot of people, even if they don't identify with being, you know, labeled a witch, so to speak, they they might actually be one. <laughs> so do you have some advice? You know, exactly. if somebody is thinking to themselves or listening to this and they're going, oh, damn, I think I'm a witch. I mean, do they have to come out? Do they, you know, what do you think about adding that title? Was was that difficult for you? I mean, wh what about the response? You oh. know, I know you mentioned in your book that you make it very clear when you're meeting somebody new or you're in a relationship that they know what they're getting before they get into it. Yeah, um, for me, I've always loved the term witch. I've always wanted to be one. I think when I when I was younger, there was some confusion because there was always that thought of warlock and certain some male born individuals like using that word now, but for a long time, many didn't because warlock was actually considered more um, connected to an oath breaker. That's kind of the, oh. at least what we know of where the origins of that term comes from. Um, so that was, I guess, kind of the only co conflict that I had, but I, I kind of come came up in a, a very, um, uh, oh, I've, what's the right word? I'm, it's off the top of my tongue. Um, gosh, uh, conservative, not conservative, the opposite oh. of conservative, supportive, supportive and liberal environment liberal. that um, was just kind of live your best life, whatever you want to do, then, then go for it. Uh, my advice for anyone who is kind of dabbling in witchcraft and wanting to do that or thinking about it, um, at the end of the day, labels, you know, they can help us, they can hurt us. We'll do whatever is comfortable to you. Just because you practice magic doesn't mean you have to call yourself a witch. You yeah. can call yourself a healer. You can call yourself a sorceress. You can call yourself a bewitcher. Um, you can call yourself whatever you want. It's your title to, to choose how you are identified. Um, and I would also say that it's your comfort level. If you feel as though you're in a space or an environment where you don't feel safe and that you shouldn't, um, say anything, then don't. Uh, of course, don't. Don't ever put yourself at risk yeah. um, of, of harm in any kind of way, whether it's emotional harm or or even physical, because some, some people have very adverse reactions to witchcraft and thinking that it's something that it's not thanks to yeah. the media. Yeah, yeah. What are some of those, you know, 
I guess, uh, assumptions that people make about witches that aren't true? So some big ones are that all witches worship the devil, uh, that they're Satanists. And Satanism is something completely different outside of witchcraft. There might be some Satanists that consider themselves witches as well. Um, but essentially, uh, it got really convoluted at a, a certain time because um, again, a lot of witchcraft is drawn from more pagan ancient religions that worship mm -hmm. uh, like the horn gods, um, like Kernunos. Uh, and um, at, at that point, that kind of also, that image was very similar to the Christian concept of the devil. So um, it was kind of used as propaganda to pull people away from that pagan kind of, the pagan types of right. religions. And um, right. and so so that's where a lot of it came from. And then it was just saturated in fear over the years as you know people were told not to do that because it's bad and and so that's how that kind of terminology came into play and then of course you know that there's some there's there's white magic and black magic in reality all magic is gray it, it's not it's colorless um the only and this comes from the fabulous famous witch movie the craft and i quote it in in the love spell book that. actually yeah um that the, the only good or bad is in the heart of the witch. Magic is not good or bad. Um, it's your intention as a practitioner that will make it such. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, witches don't do bad things. People do bad things. And it doesn't matter what religion, spirituality you practice. Anyone is capable of doing something that's bad or unethical. Um, so the, the idea that all witches are bad is, is silly. Yes, agreed. All right. Well, I think we should get into the discussion of spells because I know that I've got a lot of things that I want to learn from from you. So let's talk about spells. Okay, Number one, you kind of mentioned it a little bit off the top, uh, being you know sort of connected to prayer. So what's your definition of a spell? So my, I, I would say that a spell is anything that is a, combines your intention with an energy source, um, and you also combine it with the power of word and physical action. Um, so what I mean by that is, let's say you were trying to do a love spell since we're on topic of love spell. Yes. First, you would wanna kind of decide what it is that you really, really wanted, what you were looking for. Are you looking for new love? Are you looking to enhance an existing relationship? Are you looking to let go a lover? And then from there, you try to work with different correspondences that are associated with it. So like, for, like as far as colors go, the majority of the time, love is associated with reds or pinks. Like reds are going to be more for your sensual loves, your deep romances, sexuality, and pinks are going to be a little bit more for playful love, friendship, um, mm -hmm. beauty, things like that. But you you can also use the different colors and break them down a little bit based off of their energetic meanings. So oranges are definitely used for confidence. So if you wanted to feel more confident and sexy while you're out there trying to bring in love, you might want to use orange. Or if you wanted to, um, if you're looking for fertility, if you were looking to maybe have a child with a lover, then greens would be a really good color to use or so creating more balance. If, if your relationship hit like a rocky road, blues are good for creating serenity and opening up the levels of communication. So of course you can use candles um, to do that. You can also use your fashion, glamour. So I talk a lot about that as being the glam witch uh, with glamour magic and um, fueling and anchoring your spells and your clothing and stature and you know if you're looking for a specific thing kind of finding the color that matches that and wearing that on a daily basis or being in a home that has those colors or surrounding yourself in that way with that um, 
So it's completely up to you as far as what ingredients are that you would need. Most commonly, it would be candles, maybe a crystal, some herbs as an incense, um, and you would gather them all. You can also combine it with uh, days of the week and planetary hours that are associated um, with things. So for example, a lot, a lot of times the witchcraft is uh, connected to the moon. So the new moon is a wonderful time to start something new. The full moon is some, a time for celebration. Um, and then the period between the new moon and uh, Full moon is a, a growing phase, so bringing things to fruition. And then when it's reclining back from full to new, that's a time to let go as the moon is kind of shifting. So a, a lot of the spellcraft and um, correspondences have to do with just symbolism that is very well known within the world. Mm -hmm. um, so you gather your ingredients, you gather all those things, and then you would come up with something to say. You would declare it. You have to declare it to the universe, speak it into existence. And um, that can be done. You can use definitely a spell that's in a book for you. You can write your own. You can tailor a spell if you kind of like how one is. You can use a song because songs usually rhyme, spells kind of usually rhyme, but they don't have to. It's just more of a memorization trick. Oh, yeah. um, and then as you do that, you focus your intention on it happening, you use visualization techniques. So you have to actually see it coming to fruition in your mind. It's kind of like the secret laws of attraction. We just use those extra things such as the candles and all of that good stuff. But then we don't like, we can't just be done. You know, once the candle blows out and, and like, ooh, it magically is gonna come to us. We have to follow it up with real world action. So I kind of make the joke in the book a couple of times. Like if you're looking for a whale, you're not gonna find the whale in like a creek or uh, like Lake Michigan here by me in Chicago. You have to go to where the whales live. Yeah. So if you're doing a love spell for love in your life, you're not gonna like get it if you're just spending your time sitting on your couch watching Netflix you have to join the apps you have to go out and mingle with people you have to put yourself out there it's like the saying from the movie eat pray love if you want to win the lottery you have to play it so yes. um, you have to follow it up with real world action while you do it and uh, and that's when you have a really good chance of bringing things to you that's the whole idea of manifestation if you really put your mind to something and you keep putting energy into having it come to life it will eventually come to life for you. Yeah. Awesome. So why are love spells so taboo? And, you know, how have people been reacting to your book? Are they like, oh, I didn't think we were allowed to do love spells. You know, can I actually make someone fall in love with me? <laughs> so love spells, um, I actually think that the, the climate for love spells have changed a lot in the last couple of years. I mean, when I first started out in my witchcraft 20 years ago, it was like the number one thing. Everyone was coming to witchcraft to find love, break up with somebody, get someone new, have the best sex in the world, any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, now it seems to be not so focused on that. It's I think cultures in general have shifted from that kind of romantic partnership idea into more of a finding themselves, tapping into their intuition and getting connected to nature with green witchcraft. Um, so those are the more common things that we see these days uh, as opposed to love spell books on the market. Um, but for the longest time, and, and even today, love spells are considered taboo because we can't, or I shouldn't say we can't because we certainly can do a spell on someone else, but we wanna also be respectful of that. I mean, doing a spell on someone who's clearly said no to you, like they are not interested in you is, is 
I, for lack of a better term, magical rape, you're forcing yourself on someone that does not want you. Mm. Um, and then at the same time, if it's someone that doesn't even know you exist, well, we think back to real world action. How's that going to work? It's just not going to, right. um, or lo and behold, let's say your love spell does work on this person. It does actually, you know, create a bond between you and this individual. You've created a fake bond because it wasn't there. The interest wasn't there to begin with. And at the end of the day, I would rather have someone who wanted me for who I am yeah. than to kind of artificially manifest it in someone who does not have any interest in me. So the idea of doing love spells in an ethical way is to do more of like a come to me love spell, which is basically writing the qualities of an individual that you like down on a paper or a piece of petition, setting it on fire, or there's so many different ways to kind of do that same kind of working. And I talk about a few of them in the book. You can enchant a piece of jewelry that you're wearing as you're going out mingling um you can put maybe certain symbols or something in your shoes or on your makeup as you smear it around your face lots of different ways to do it um but that's always the most ethical way to go about things um especially when it involves someone who has no idea that you're even interested in so but the flip side to that is if there is someone that definitely has shown interest but they're maybe a little hesitant to make a move you could definitely do magic to kind of boost confidence um, and kind of get the truth to come out of the situation. Um, also, if you're in a relationship and you've hit rocky roads, well, you're already in that relationship. The interest is there. So doing a kind of save to me love spell, I would say is ethical um, if anyone is there. And, and some of the reason for this is if we look back at the history of love spells, um, there were two types that were commonly performed in like the Egyptian time and the Roman uh, Greco periods. And um, the more common one, which was usually performed by men or female prostitutes, uh, they were these Eros love spells, which usually were the like nasty ones that had nasty ingredients in them, like um, the entrails of animals or sacrifices or nasty stuff. And that was really to lock someone into them like oh I like this mm. this woman so I'm gonna have it so that she feels pain if she's not next to me so I'm gonna do this spell and then every time she's not by me she's gonna feel pain so she's gonna come to me so that was like a really common spell that they did once upon a time ago but at right. the same time there were others who were who were practicing another type of love spell magic which was creating more harmonious relationships um, and that's really kind of where it's trickled down over time and where we still are um, and the magic that were what we would consider ethical. I know that you put a lot of um, emphasis and energy as well into self-care. So I'm wondering what role mm -hmm. you feel self-love plays in relation to love spells. Yeah. So I would say that self-love and self-care are maybe the ultimate foundation to any magical practice, regardless of it being a love spell a career spell, anything like that. Um, and I just actually, the, the book that came out right before the, the new love spell one that's coming out was Witchcraft for Daily Self-Care. Both of them were um, children that came out of the pandemic that I wrote. Uh, they were my little book babies that happened during that time. And, um, you know, I think a, a lot of times people these days, we're so used to the fast paced environment of the world. We're used to social media and kind of this instant Insta gratification um and moving moving really really quickly without taking time to slow down and think about things and i always use the analogy when i'm doing readings for clients when self-care is really obvious that they need to do which is you know if you if you were a car 
you're not going to do your job of getting from point A to point B if you're exhausted and you're out of energy. So you have to rest. You have to stop for a second to refuel for you to do the job that you need to do. And that's regardless of any type of job, whether that's you know working in the corporate industry, if you are a parent with running around with children that you have all day long, any kind of a responsibility, you know, we need to be able to function at the level in order to perform. Um, same thing with witchcraft. If we are at a low capacity of energy, like if you had a really bad day at work, like a really, really bad day and you are feeling super, super angry, probably not the best time to do a love spell to bring like <laughs> a loving, fabulous thing to you because your energy is off. You're going to be feeling like crap. So you might bring a negative relationship to you inadvertently. So that's right. a disastrous spell kind of situation you have to be in the right headspace so it's really important that when practicing magical anything um you are tapped into self-care you're performing self-care and that doesn't have to be these long days at the spa or it doesn't have to cost anything it could literally be like okay today on my lunch break i'm gonna take five minutes to close my eyes and rest and that is my self-care or maybe um, it's a Friday night, I have nothing going on, I'm gonna take a warm bath and that's my self-care. It's all individual based, whatever it is yeah. that recharges and refuels you. And that then corresponds to self-love. It's like, they're the same coin, if you will, because yeah. you have to be able to love yourself enough to say, you know what, I deserve to do this. I deserve this because I need it for me in order to function at a higher level. And then that even transcends out even to like relationships, when you are beaming with self-love, you're not coming from like a codependent place where you feel like you need this relationship, even if it's so super toxic, you, you're humming at a better place. And I mean, I even struggle with that times too, like, you know, with past relationships that I've had that have made me feel like crap, clearly I wasn't as tapped into my self-love as I thought I was. Right. Um, and it's just obvious you kind of learn and grow with it as you go. But yeah, um, yeah I, I would say that self-love, self-care, they are um, an essential part of living and an essential yes. part of doing any kind of. Yeah. And you know what, when you were speaking to, I was thinking about how you also have to have self-awareness. That's a really important one too. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be self-aware to, to know that there's something that you need to pull yourself out of. You need yeah. to be self-aware enough to be humble and say, okay, maybe I fucked up a little bit. Maybe I was a little, that was yeah. really like the way that I should have acted. So let me co be corrective. Like how can I correct the behavior and move forward and not do it again? Um, and that's really important. That's an important part of self-love and self-care too, to recognize um, the mistakes that you've made and not fall in that path pattern of doing them again and again and again and again. Yeah, exactly. So you did mention, you know, I guess when I was listening to you talk, I was thinking about how it's so important to get the foundation right. Are there some additional things that you need to keep in mind when you are going to spell, spell cast? You know, for example, can you eat a big meal and then go and cast a spell or are those, are there like things? Not recommended. So yeah. some general considerations to think about would be like you had just said, meals. Um, if you're going to be doing a, a big spell or something like that, it's probably not advised to be kind of doing that just because you might feel really full or heavy or you might get a little gassy or an uncomfortable stomach. You don't want to feel uncomfortable like, while you're doing it. It's always best to kind of save a food for afterwards because food is also grounding. So once you've stirred up all of this energy, you want to kind of ground and center yourself after that. And food would be a great way to help you with that. 
Um, you want to also be mindful of your setting. Um, I know a lot of times it seems so wonderful to go out and do something big and wonderful at, in nature at night under the full moon, but that could be dangerous because of the weather, because of other crazy people out there, animals, yeah. all of that stuff. <laughs> and even the same thing, you have to be con conscious of your environment if you're doing it inside. Are you doing it in a spot that you're going to be disturbed? Are you doing it in a spot where you might potentially set something on fire? Always be conscious of your surroundings when you're doing your spell and, and the ingredients mm -hmm. and things that you need. Wardrobe is another consideration because, again, colors can help enhance and fuel it. Even after you've done the spell, it can keep the magic going. But also, you know, it might be really evocative and fabulous to be wearing a big Stevie Nicks kimono caftan shawl. But if you're walking around a can, like a, a circle of candles that could catch on fire. So you don't <laughs> want to do that. And you don't want to, you know, wear something that's really, you know, tight and uncomfortable, all of these different things. It's just kind of think practically. I always say anchor your magic and practicalness, uh, practicality, like the movie Practical Magic. I love, yes, love doing everything. From a, from a magical standpoint, you have to also do it practically in the real world. Think logistically about how things are going to go and plan things out ahead of time and you're going to have real good success. Perfect. Okay. So would you be willing to walk me through a spell, like an example of one, for example, is there, do you have sure. like a ritual that you have to do or, you know, you don't have to. So a lot of times we'll hear the terms such as like casting a circle. That's a little bit more traditional Wicca witchcraft, kind of a little bit more old school. It's not necessarily something that is needed all the time. Because I'm a practitioner that has been doing this for a long time, I really don't do circle castings unless I'm doing more of a ceremonious ritual in honor of Lilith or maybe a special day or someone. Uh, if I'm doing a spellcraft, I feel as though, you know, I have my own personal altar in my house. It's in the center of my home. I'm living in my own magical circle every day. So it's already up to tune and and doing what it needs to do. Advantages to doing a circle, especially if you're just uh, starting out, would be that it's it really helps set the energetic ground for what you're doing. It helps you get into a spot of calmness so that you can really, really focus on the magic that needs to be done. And to do that, you want to, of course, set up your space, gather your ingredients beforehand, do all of that. Um, you might want to take an energetic or um, a cleansing shower or bath beforehand just to kind of uh, cleanse yourself with the elements of water and maybe some salts or herbs or some soaps or essential oils or some kind to just rub off the day uh, so that you can come clean and fresh to the ritual. Uh, at that point, you're going to want to kind of cl cleanse the space too. And you can do that with an incense stick, maybe some water um, with some sea salt that's in it, sprinkle that around. Uh, you can use, of course, sage or palo santo, anything like that, just to kind of cleanse, cleanse the negativity from the space. Uh, and then you would, um, you would cast a circle. And to do that, you can use an athame, which is what would be considered a, a, basically a double-edged knife that's magnetized. Um, it helps direct energy and cut energy flow. You could also use a wand, whether it's crafted from a stick or clay, anchored or fastened with a crystal on top. You can also even use your finger because the only magical tool you're ever going to need is really yourself um, to project that forward. Uh, so you would cast a circle. Um, you'd walk in... Uh, a clockwise uh, way to create it and a counterclockwise to close it the same direction as the sun moves. Um, and to do that, you could say something as uh, simple as, I conjure you circle. Um, I ask that you be a boundary between the worlds and help aid me in my magical right. 
And then you'd go to each one of the cross quarters, um, which are your north, south, east, and west. And here in the northern hemisphere, we kind of switch around north and south to the southern hemisphere. So wherever the equator is directionally from you is connected to the element of fire, whichever way the poles are. So north or south is going to be connected to earth, the farthest part away from the equator. And then east is connected to air and uh, West is connected to water. And so you'd go to each of them again in your clockwise direction uh, and call forth the element that is connected to that direction to help aid and assist in your right. So that's calling in all of the elements, that nature aspect. And then at that point, you can uh, call upon any deities, spirit guides, ancestors, any of that to come into your space. And then from there, declare your intent. I'm here to do the spell. Uh, and then from there, you'd follow the instructions of the spell. Um, and then you would need to kind of I like to kind of meditate a little bit and really focus intentionally on what it is that's coming uh start visualizing that coming into my life and from there we would build a cone of power so we draw energy and that can be done a couple of different ways from chanting to dancing to running around your circle to even masturbating that's a part of sex magic because it draws up energy and um at that point uh, once the energy has risen and you have all of it expelled, the uh, that's what's considered the cone of power where you're thrusting it, your energy off into the universe. And from there, you can say thank you to your deities or ancestors um, and then go around and uh, counterclockwise way to all of the directions again, thank them for their time, uh, close your circle down. And then um, at that point, if you have leftover ingredients from your spell, some, some things that'll tell you, you know, carry this with you for a week or until it's manifested, or you might need to go out and bury your ingredients or something that you've created or place it on your altar. So you, you'd follow the directions or follow your intuition or intentions at that point. Um, and that's essentially like the full-blown ritual of doing a spell, but you can also just follow the ingredients and use your intention and be locked into it. So individuals that are really, really good at visualizing and making manifestations happen with their will probably don't necessarily need the circle as much as uh, newbies who are just starting out. This episode has been brought to you by the Afterlight Institute. Ignite the light, magic, and miracles within. So good. All right. So can you share an example of when a love spell has worked? Or do they, they all <laughs> Oh my work? gosh. How, how, which time? Um, well, in the book, I started off, I start <laughs> off my love spell book within the introduction about the very first spell that I did, which was a love spell. Um, and it was as a teenager, I was looking for love. And at that time, I was the only gay boy in the neighborhood that I knew of. And I was sitting here trying to find love. But it, it was at that point, you know, looking back at it, I kind of laughed because I'm like, well, I wasn't really acting practical in the real world. Like, if I was the only one, how was I going to make it happen? So I kept working it and working it and working it. And it took a couple of years to kind of get that spell to work. But then it finally did. And it was exactly what I wanted when I was like 12 years old. But I got it when I was 17, 18. And at that point, mental growth changed a lot. And uh, it was just a dumpster fire of disaster. And, um, and at that point, then too, you know, going back into love spells to kind of, you know, heal heartbreak. So that would be an example, or even I would say my last relationship, I, I, I knew I shouldn't. And that's what the fun thing is, is that we always say is, which is, it's like, oh, I know I shouldn't be doing that spell, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, and it just never goes right. Uh, so I was in, involved with somebody and it was actually really a, a pretty bad relationship, but I wanted it anyway. So 
when we kind of had a, a split, mm -hmm. I did a come back to me love spell. Um, and it, it happened and, you know, the individual came back into my life, but it wasn't like what it was. It was like a shell of that person was back in my life. Um, the emotional context was gone. They were around, but there was nothing else. Um, so that was kind of crap. That was a backfire love spell. Um, actually, all of yeah. those both were backfire love spells, but I've had other ones where they've really, really worked great. Like, and then from that relationship, I talk about it. I have one spell in my book that's a energetic emancipation of a former lover, where you clear your whole space and do a big purge of all the things that they've given you and just get their energy out of your house. Um, there's also little potions. Like I love mixing potions, whether that's um, drinks, teas, or um, oil blends to help bring people into to my life. There was uh, recently I made a an oil blend. It's my irresistibility uh, uh, oil that's in the book, and I wore it like right after COVID. We could finally go back out, so I was like, I'm gonna put this all on, and literally had boys chasing me all day long, which was really really fun. So. Um, it's, it, it is what it is. Put yourself out there and, and make magic. Craft your own love story. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds to me that you're also learning as you go, you know, it's very easy. I find to, to give advice. Sometimes it's really hard to take your own. Exactly. We, uh, we can't but, you take know, we our do own. Learn, right? That's why therapists have their own therapists that they see. They can't take their own advice. They have, they have to go hear from <laughs> yes, somebody else. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly right. So you know what? Um, I was wondering whether or not you can cancel a spell. So let's say you've, you know, your 12 year old self puts out this really awesome love spell, you know, uh, whether or not you could have canceled it, you could have gone, you know what universe? I'm yeah, good. you can totally cancel do that. that one. <laughs> cancel the order. That's, and there is a spell that I prescribe for that in a love spell uh, in the love spell book as well, where it's, I'm not in love with you anymore, or I'm not, I don't want this relationship. I don't want this bad. I don't want to take it away. Um, and uh, it, it really is up to you. It, it all is com connected to your will, what it is that you want to manifest and the words that you're using and your actions that you follow it up with. So if you wanted to, to cancel a spell, you, you were going out on dates and they were just horrible and you just hated it. You could just do your spell, say like, I'm not doing it right now. I'm not feeling it. Let's cancel this love spell. I need to focus on me right now more than finding someone else to join me. So part of that is doing this yeah. spell, but then part of it would then be canceling your profiles on the different dating sites, make sure that you're not talking to anybody else anymore and really putting the work in on yourself. Yeah. And I guess that's, you know, that goes back to our conversation earlier, which is a lot about that self-awareness and being really clear on where you are at in your mm -hmm. life. Yeah. And I, I actually had a really good friend too, who um, did a cancel love spell recently where uh, it was on a full moon and it was an ocean and they, they were just like, no, I don't want this relationship. I, I don't want it. Um, so you can take it. Um, I don't want it unless it's meant to be. Bye. And then now they're engaged. So um, it was meant to be. It just was <laughs> persistent. It would not stop. So, and that happens sometimes too. I mean, we can yeah. get in our head and get a little scared, but that's a part of, um, you know, I wrote this part in the Love Spell book that talks about the dichotomy of love and fear. And uh, there's this psychiatrist, um, 
Elizabeth Cooper Ross, who talks about how there are only two primary emotions in the world, love and fear. And you can't feel them both at the same time. Because when you're, com when you're in a place of fear, you can't be in a place of love. When you're in a place of love, you can't be in a place of fear. And so I put that in there purposely because I'm like, if you're looking for love and you really want that in, like, in your life, you can't be afraid of it. Because I think so many of us, we date and it's bad. So then we're like, oh, that was bad. So I'm not going to do it again. And we kind of get a little jaded. And, you know, the first time that we go back out there trying to, to find somebody and they show maybe the first flaw, then we're like, nope, I'm done. I'm done with it because I just can't put myself through this again. I don't want the heartbreak. But all of that is fear. So if we can get out of our, our way we and release fear, we can experience more love and the same thing goes with our magic if we are afraid of the magic that we're doing we're afraid that it will work we're afraid of doing something new we're cynical like oh my gosh this isn't really going to work then it's not going to work your fear is overriding the love that you're trying to have in your life so i thought that was an important piece to include Oh, I totally agree with that. And so I know that when I was reading your book, you did talk about the basic parts of a spell. And one of them was to select yes. the timing. Can you talk about some of the other things that you should keep in mind when you are, uh, you know, going to prepare to, to Absolutely. Cast a spell? So one of them, of course, is timing. Um, we want to make sure that Again, it, you're not doing a love spell to bring new love and joy in your life on a bad day where you've had, like, cancel it, do, wait, wait until another full moon or something. But also pay attention to the moon phases. I mean, I'm a lunar witch. I love the moon. So, but I also want to emphasize that it's, you shouldn't think like, oh my gosh, it's, it's the waning moon. It's a time of release. So I can't bring new love in my life. It's all in how you word it. It's all how you think about it. So if it's a time of release, you can release the barriers that are holding you back from finding that love. And again, if you wanted to like release something, but it was at a time for bringing things, you could do a road opener spell, which would be, you know, open all of the roads for me to go down so that I could leave this, this negative situation. Just show me the right way, clear the path for that to come into my life. So the moon is a really good like timing idea. There's also planetary hours. So a, about every hour and a couple of minutes, another planet is ruling in our solar system. So there's a couple of different sites where you can find out based off your exact geographical location, what planetary hour it's in. And uh, love spells, of course, are really, really good in the planet of Venus. So at any hour that's associated with Venus is great. Days of the week are also planetary aligned. So Friday is associated with Venus. So Fridays are a great day to do love spells, especially if it is a waxing moon or a full moon and it's a Friday in the hour of Venus, you got all of your timing lined up there. But aside from timing, I mean, another big understanding is just your ingredients. And I mean, we hear a lot, I even said earlier, and I was like, oh, I need, I need to come back to this and clarify, you know, that everything's our intention. Everything is our intention, right? But at the same time, if we look at spellcasting, like we would baking a cake, you know, our intention is to make the cake, right? That is your spell. And then we gather the ingredients and everything. And a lot of times people are, are hearing now on like Twitter and TikTok and Instagram, like, oh my gosh, well, I just trusted my intuition to use this black candle to bring love in my life, but black is banishing. So if you did that, you're really actually banishing love from your life. So it's not so much your intention, like your ingredients are your ingredients. Sometimes there are substitutions. So if you, for example, if you were making a cake and you substituted, that would be like substituting sugar with salt, like, ew, gross, that's not going to work. 
but you could substitute it with stevia. You could substitute it with another sweet item that's not sugar if you had that on hand. So always pay attention to the correspondences of your magical ingredients that you're using because that's a real big part. You wanna make sure that it's all aligning, okay? Um, that that's one of the biggest parts, and um, I'm I'm giggling now too. I'm <laughs> giggling, but it's true. Ingredients to do anything that it is that you're doing. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go to school and learn. Well, yeah. if you don't have the right textbook, how are you going to do that? Like, <laughs> you just need the right supplies, essentially. Yeah, and you need to do it with the right timing, with the right <laughs> intention in mind, um, and you should be good to go. Would you say that gratitude is also important as well? And I guess it comes down to, you know, when you're talking about if you have a really bad day, don't do a love spell. So does gratitude kind of help you raise your vibration and get you in that receiving? Yeah, mode? and I've learned this a lot recently from um, my mentor and friend who's actually Australian, Fiona Horn. I talk about her pretty much in every interview, but um, in the last couple of years, she's been talking a lot about doing rituals of gratitude. And I say as a witch or any magical practitioner, whatever your title is or your identification, um, the more we do spellcraft and rituals for things that we're grateful for, the more we become a magnet to pulling great things into our life. Because that, what that does is it tells the universe God, goddess, your version of a higher power. It's that you're thankful for the blessings that you've had. So bring more, keep bringing more. And don't think that like your blessings are only the good things. Like a breakup, for example, it sucks. It's painful, right? Because you just psychologically have to go through the ending of something. But that ending is actually a really good blessing yeah. because it's bringing you to a new place. Like even in the book, I have a spell, the thank you next spell, which I mean, clearly comes from the Ariana Grande song, but um, the idea of let me, I'm, I'm single right now. Let me thank all of my exes because I wouldn't be in the position that I am right now if it wasn't for them. And maybe that position is really, really wonderful. Maybe it sucks, but every single, every day that we wake up is another day to learn, grow, evolve, and be better. And that's the biggest part of witchcraft, I think, for me is becoming better. Um, becoming a better human and getting better at living. Um, so gra yes, gratitude, rituals of gratitude are really, really um, another important element of, of spell casting. It is a spell in itself, but, um, but they're essential part. Beautiful. So I know that in your book, you also mentioned the importance of grounding and centering and shielding. So can we talk a little bit yes. about that? And so, and that's something that um, again, if you weren't doing like a circle that I kind of talked about casting a, a circle of energy around you, um, this is the kind of way that you can kind of just do it on the fly, on the go. So grounding and centering is really important because it helps to prepare you energetically for the work that you're going to do. So again, think, you know, you just worked a full day. Maybe it was good, maybe it was bad, but you're in that mind frame. So grounding and centering allows you to reprogram your brain to prepare you for what it is that you're doing. And then centering your energy gets it all focused and ready for you to come out through you into the universe with your power of words, spells, action, dance, whatever element of witchcraft it is that you're you're putting out there. Um, shielding, on the other hand, would be the idea of protecting yourself. So from your, in your magical area. So creating this boundary, whether it be through your aura or calling upon energy of white light or any of that to kind of circle you and encompass you and protect you. Um, 
with positivity or maybe even negativity. I mean, I, I can't think of a reason you would do that right now, but I'm sure someone might want to do that. Um, so, so conjuring that bubble around you, that cocoon of energy uh, to protect you during your spell or protect your spell from manifesting. Um, and I will also say that another element of it, I should have mentioned this earlier, something that's really important is to be quiet about the spells that you're doing. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, we see, and I'm someone, I'll post pictures of my altar and things like that online, but I don't ever actually record or film or take pictures of the spells that I'm doing. And the, one of the reasons for that is because mm. you don't want negative energy going after your spell. So let's say you put this fabulous love spell up on online and you're like, oh, I'm doing this love spell. But someone maybe that, like if you had an ex, a jealous ex that didn't want you to find that love, they're putting that energy out into the universe. And so it could clash with yours and make that spell not happen. You don't want to keep looking in the rear view mirror of your spell too and thinking like, oh my gosh, has that happened yet? Or when is it going to happen? Oh my gosh, did I do it wrong? Because then you're feeding into that idea of a negativity. You're putting more negative energy into it than it's worth. So it's always good. That exactly. Fear. That, the fear base that we're talking about. So um, my thought is either yeah. you continue to add on layers to the spell, like wearing clothing colors, um, doing a daily chant, lighting a daily candle every single day until it happens, or just forgetting about it. You've put it out in the universe, lock it up and say, hey, it's done. It's in the universe's mm -hmm. hands now. Um, because I know we, again, we like living in this instant culture where we think that we get it every, like when we ask for it, but the universe doesn't answer according to our like version of time time that as we know it is made up like we created it the universe could be like okay great well yeah that's coming to you but you know that's coming in five six seven ten years because you got to go through a couple of things until you can get there um so have an understanding of that timing yeah. and have some patience and let the universe work its way out. And maybe if it doesn't happen right away, maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe there's because maybe you were doing a spell and it was based completely on superficial reasons. And the universe is like, haha, no, we got something better for you coming. <laughs> or it could be, well, great, we will give this yeah. to you, but you have to get to the level where you can get there. Like, oh my gosh, you want to take like calculus 203? Well, you got to do 101 first. Like the, there's building blocks. Yeah. Um, and there's always a reason for everything. Yeah, exactly. So well said. So I know I talked off the top that we would uh, mention some of the essential items that every witch should have. So I know you've mentioned a whole oh, bunch yes. of props and tools throughout our conversation, but if you had to narrow them down. Well, I'm going to put a little twist to this and that in all honesty, the only essential item that you need as a witch is your will to move forward, to do the magic and to, to put it out there because it all comes from us at the end of the day. And every witch is kind of in their own area. No one should feel like, oh my gosh, I have to be into crystals. If you are, crystals might be an essential item. Or if you like candles, candles might be an essential item. Um, but I will say for me, uh, like three essential items that I'm gonna have in every single spell that I do, it's gonna involve a crystal of some kind, whether it's just a, a rough piece or whether it's a jewelry piece. I'm gonna include a candle, because I'm a little pyro, Aries, fire witch. So I love doing candle magic. Also an article of clothing, glamour, clothing that corresponds with the magic that I'm doing. So those are my three essential items. And it's going to be different depending on the witch that is doing it. Maybe it'll be a deck of tarot cards and an incense stick, or it could be their pet, their familiar, their animal spirit. So whether that's a snake or a cat or a dog or, or anything. So 
it really is across the board. There's no right or wrong answer to it. That's so good. One of the things that I love um, that you keep bringing back is really, you, you seem to have this philosophy that really everybody just needs to listen to their own truth, that you can suggest things, but that they really need to kind of check in with themselves. I guess I'm curious as to whether or not you have some suggestions for where people should get their information mm. from, because you know, kind of like what we're talking about at the top, there's a lot of misconceptions about witchcraft. There's a lot of misinformation. And, uh, you know, how do people find reliable information? That's a great, fantastic question. I'm really happy you asked. Because again, too, like, yeah, we're living in this world that's all social media based. So we also get a lot of stuff. People are learning from Instagram, TikTok, all these different social media sources. And the thing is, is that it's a wonderful tool for people to share and express themselves and share information. But at the same time, we have to understand too who the teachers are. So it's like, it goes back to kind of thinking like your school paper and your sources on who you would actually collect things from. So you don't, you would, I remember hearing, you never want to take a source from Wikipedia because it's not a direct source anyone can put any information there so the same thing can be said from instagram mm -hmm. tiktok all of that sorry everybody but it's just everyone sharing their own opinion and that's wonderful and it could work for that individual but that doesn't yeah. mean that there's truth to it so i would say that the best place to find information is to find it from authors people who have written books people who are on television who are doing classes teaching things get out in your own community find your local witch stores your new age shops go to a couple of classes hear the people that are speaking and those experiences if you honestly look all of the answers are there for you but again i would be a little cautious of going the easy route of just let me google something and it's the first thing that pops up or oh my gosh let me let me do this yeah. um let me go follow this one person and just and i don't know and that's not to say that you know individuals online who are influencers and stuff don't know what they're talking about there's ways to kind of look at that i mean maybe be, just because they have 40 400 followers doesn't mean that they are actually knowledgeable about stuff look at the engagement that they have on their posts does that match yeah. the number of followers that they have like if they have 40,000 followers, their posts should be having more than 20 likes on it. It's just like, there's certain things that yeah. you can look at to kind of look at who the fakers are and who aren't. Yeah, exactly. Well, what a fabulous conversation, Michael. Honestly, it has just been so good, jam-packed full of knowledge. Thank you so much for being here. I would love to know whether or not there's anything that I didn't ask that you really wanted to bring up today and also how people can find out more about you. And most importantly, get the amazing book that's to come out. Uh, by the time this airs, it will already be out, which is great. And I know you've got some other books that they can get too. So yeah. tell me everything. So I, we've covered everything, I think. And we've had such a fun time. Thank you so much for having me on again. Yeah. I would say just head over to my website, www.theglamwitch.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at, at the.glam.witch. Um, and I always post everything and it all links to my website and stuff too, and website links to social media and all of that, um, as far as well as links to purchase all of the books, all of them are available wherever books are sold. Um, I would highly recommend though, that if you, um, have a local magical witchy shop that you ask that they carry them. So that way you're supporting your local businesses, uh, our local witch shops that are out here giving us all of our, our information and for anyone listening they are any witch store who works with ingram um is able to purchase them wholesale and if for some reason you can't you can always contact me directly through my website and i can set you up with my publishers to get um, the discounted rates for wholesaling so 
That's it, well, really. Thank you so much, Michael, and come back anytime. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I would love to. Hi. Thanks so much for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave us a review where you listen to your podcasts and share it with your friends. Thank you. New episodes every Thursday.